Please turn with me to the book of Acts and chapter 1. The book of Acts and chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. And the Bible reads, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, uh, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him uh, go into heaven. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask that you help us understand passage, the verses that we are going to look at, and so that each one of us may go with something that will stay with us, and not just to be hearers of your word, but to put into practice what we learn. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our concentration this morning will be on Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. And verse 8, verse 4 says, And while uh, with them he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. And then in verse 8 we read, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are basically going to focus on God's mission this morning. Now, the particular part of God's mission I want us to think about is the power for mission comes from God's spirit. As a theme for today. The power of mission comes from God's uh, spirit. 
Yeah, first, first of all, of course, let's look at uh, the context of what we are dealing with. Um, I'll read just two other verses to explain a bit about the context. If you look at, uh, if you turn to Galatians chapter 3, turn with me to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. And the scripture for saying that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. And Genesis chapter 12. Um, Genesis and chapter 12. We'll just read uh, verse 3. I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will uh, curse. And in, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And this gospel was to be preached to Abraham, saying that, you know, through you, all the nations are going to be blessed. All the families of the earth will be blessed through uh, you, Abraham. And you know, Abraham was saved by grace. He didn't work for it. You see that explanation by Paul in the book of Romans, he explains very clearly that Abraham did not earn his salvation. He didn't work for it. He was chosen from the Chaldeans, from the sinners, from the idol worshippers. Out of that, he chose, you know, Abraham. And God had a mission to accomplish through this particular, you know, man. You see in Acts 1 verse 3 about the Lord Jesus Christ and resurrection, you know, Christ had to die and he was buried and he rose again. And so in God's mission, Christ's resurrection is, is a must, is critical. It's very important that Christ rose from the dead. In Romans chapter 1 verse 4, we read about a confirmation that Jesus is God's son. Jesus is God's son. So it's important that we know that Christ came and he lived amongst us, he suffered, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And that is being confirmed that Christ is the son of God. So in God's mission, he has sent his son to come and die for us. And he rose again from the dead and is now at the right hand of the Father. This passage in Acts, we read that he actually was taken up to glory as they were watching. So the Lord rose from the dead and that is, that is that's critical to, the, uh, to, to this mission that God has you know, for his people. Now, this mission in Acts, we know that uh, this mission is global. It begins in Jerusalem and goes to Judea and Samaria 
and to Bexley Heath, right? It goes everywhere, even in Zambia. The gospel has reached there. But it began in Jerusalem. It's global. It's not just restricted, you know, to Jerusalem. But then, what about the power? This is where we want to focus this morning. The power of this mission comes from God's Spirit. And this is all the verses that we have read here. The Lord told his disciples, you stay in Jerusalem. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And you remember the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came and then what happened? I want you to observe that after the coming of the Holy Spirit who was now going to dwell in the believers, uh, Peter stood up and began to explain what was he explaining? He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He was preaching, you know, Christ. That he had to suffer, he had to die, and he rose from the dead. And so the coming of the Holy Spirit was about preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see that Peter and John, they begin to do that. Later on, you find Paul and Silas, they go into the mission field. What are they preoccupied about? The Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, I decided to know nothing else but Christ crucified. That is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Right? You find that in the, in the life of Peter and John. They are arrested. Uh, they are thrown out. They are warned. They say, well, what else can we? We can't do anything else but preach, you know, Christ. Now, where did all this come from? Where is this, the power of the gospel, of the mission, that you and I, today in this place, can be children of God? Where did the power come from? You know that uh, people have tried to silence the church over many, many years, and they have failed. One of the examples that uh, I may have given here before, but uh, it's, it's very... What would you call it? It's very exciting, but it's, it's also very humorous. Because in our generation, you know, when I went to university, the, the talk of those days was Marxism, right? At the university, people were talking about Marxism. Every now and then, the students, Marxism. And uh, within our generation, the Soviet Union that was so powerful, you know, basically, you know, collapsed. And the young people that were being recruited from Africa to go and learn Marxism so that they can spread it in Africa, these young people, some of them got saved in Scripture Union and they began to plant churches in the Soviet Union. Right? God has his sense of humor. You cannot silence the gospel Right? Emperors tried to kill Christians, burn them at stake. The gospel grew. Just here, I mean, in this land, um, there are so many places, just going to Suffolk, so many people that were killed just for preaching Christ. But you know, the gospel has never been silenced. Missionaries are thrown out of countries, right? Missionaries were thrown out of China, for example. And what is happening now? is that 
there are more Christians in China than the whole population of the UK. Uh, God has his way of reaching, you know, his people. I gave you an example of Zambia. I mean, I come from a very rural part of Zambia, extremely rural, um, in Muyombe, which is at the corner of the northeastern part of Zambia. And, you know, when I was born and began to walk and I could go to school, my mother took me to, to, to church. And the Scottish Presbyterian missionaries, you know, were there. And the gospel had already reached Zambia at the time that I was, you know, I was born. And today, you talk about Zambia having 26% of its population as evangelical, you know, believers. And it's not only Zambia. The whole of uh, sub-Saharan Africa, you know, the church attendance is very high compared to the Northern Hemisphere. You look at South America, you look at Korea, uh, people are in church. Yes, there is nominalism, a lot of it, but at the same time, they are genuine believers. So God's mission is working. What God had planned is actually taking place in different parts of the world. But this, this, uh, this morning, I would like us to look at the power. And there are five things that I want to bring you know, to your attention here about the power of the, where the mission, I mean, the, the, the power where this, this comes from in terms of, um, you know, the gospel spreading for God's mission, you know, to take place. The Holy Spirit is the one that empowers the believers. If you, you know your theology, um, in the Old Testament, he would come on someone, but he would actually leave. But from the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes in the believer and dwells in the believer. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to him. There is nothing like Christians without the Holy Spirit and then going one, one day to go and be prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit. No. When you are born again, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. So the power of mission comes from God's Spirit. Look at chapter 4 of Acts and verse 8. Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders. Now, the point I want to bring out from there is that the Holy Spirit inspires the words of the preachers. I say, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he is inspired to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. So the one who is going to help you, who is going to help me, to be able uh, to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the Holy Spirit who inspires the words of the preachers. Are we together? It is the Holy Spirit who is going to inspire you to speak to your neighbor, to speak to your child, to speak to your parents. He is the one who brings in this power. The power of evangelism to other people is coming from the Lord himself. Chapter 4, verse 31. 
Acts 4, verse 31. <clears throat> and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit impacts courage. Right? They spoke with boldness. Where did the power come from? The Holy Spirit himself. See, one of the biggest challenges in this country, I mean, I, I think I, I, can, I, can speak, I can say so now that I've lived about 18 years here, uh, is the courage of the believers to share the gospel with a non-believer. Because, they see, the media is trying to privatize Christianity to make sure that you, you, you don't share it in public. Um, the government laws, you don't share the gospel at your place of work, you'll be fired. Um, in the street, no street preachers, you're disturbing the peace of the country. So they are trying to squeeze the gospel into something that you, just you, you know, it's just, you know, yourself. you don't share it with other people. You need to just practice it yourself. Uh, yes, it's okay. If it's okay for you, you go ahead. I mean, it's not for someone else. That courage, courage, brother, courage, sister, don't stumble. You know, we need that courage to be able to sell, tell someone that I am a born-again Christian. And this is how I got saved. We are not taught to be preaching big sermons, you know, in the streets and so on. But one thing we are taught is to share how you came to know the Lord. How you have been changed. I, I remember we are doing some outreach in one of our church plants in Kitwe. And uh, a number of the neighbors in that particular area, they started asking questions like, Oh, how come your husband comes back early from, from work? You know, he, he's, he's at home. How come your children, you know, obey you? And they were asking these questions to, to, to Christians. And then the Christians began to explain, well, I am actually a child of God. And my manual is the Bible. And this is what I have learned from the scriptures. And you know what happened? When we did an, uh, uh, an outreach in that area, a number of people responded to the invitations. And the gospel was preached, quite a number got saved. Adults, you know, got saved. As a result of seeing how believers uh, live. And we, the, this country needs that courage from the believers. See, revivals came about uh, because people prayed. I mean, it's not a formula, but generally there'll be no revival where people don't pray. I remember one Korean guy came uh, to some friends' international meeting. He said, uh, how do Christians do mission work in the UK when they don't pray? And, and what he meant is, uh, you know, they don't wake up at 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, to the Korean way, where they wake up very early to pray. And they found that uh, here... Everybody was sleeping and uh, there's no uh, praying and fasting. It's not something that is practiced. You know, 
the conversion of someone is a miracle. And the church needs to agonize and pray so that people can come in order to know the Lord. But it requires a lot of courage uh, to be able to share our faith. And so the Holy Spirit himself is able to impart, you know, courage. Don't be discouraged. We need to pray that the Lord may give us courage. Just to share what we are so that the world can see how believers are. That's, that's all that we are required to do. Don't be silent when you are asked. Right? Don't be silent. I remember going into university the first time and uh, sitting to have a meal and praying, and the others found it funny. And, uh, you know, with the other believers, we were able to begin to explain why we pray. And, uh, you know, some number of these students ended up coming to the University Christian Fellowship to hear the gospel through that. So you, you need to stand up and, and, and be right. Don't fear children. Don't fear your employers. Don't fear your neighbors. You know, you have somebody greater in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 and verse 7. John chapter 16 and verse 7. Right, uh, verse, verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no more, no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So the Holy Spirit inspires the words of the preachers. The Holy Spirit is, uh, impacts uh, courage. But thirdly, he convicts people of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts our people of sin. It is he who is at work convicting the world, you know, of sin. And that's why if someone rejects the conviction of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, then there's nothing else that will convict him. It is the Holy Spirit who tells us this is wrong. As we listen to God's word, our consciences, you know, become awake and alert. Right? And we can be able to hear what God is saying. And so sin is seen as sin, as rebellion against God. Right? Rebellion against God. I mean, we've come across a number of things that we can call sin. Let me just read uh, just a few verses from Romans chapter 1. Uh, just, just to illustrate uh, what I'm talking about here. In, in Romans and, and chapter 1, 
verse 28, it says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to debased a mind to do what ought not to be done. So here, here are some examples of what sin is. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, and malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Is there anything here that you can say, I am guilty of this? Right? The Lord our God says, you shall have no other gods before me. Right? You shall have no idols around. I am the only one. I'm a jealous God. I, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Right? With all your soul, with all your mind, your, your, your everything. But also, love your neighbor. Love, love your neighbor. And if we see anything that is contradicting the word of God... It is sin, and the Holy Spirit himself will convict us of that, and so that we may turn away from sin. What is it that you know you are doing or you are involved in that is not right before God? Oh, you might say, I've never killed anyone, I've never stolen, and things like that. But the Bible tells us that all are sinners. We are born in sin. You know, a little baby who has not done anything evil is born naturally in sin. And so repentance is required of each and every one of us so that God might give us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. May the Holy Spirit speak to each one of us according to our, our situation. Let me hurry on. Um, uh, number four, uh, the Holy Spirit convicts people about, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ. And here I want to read Ephesians and chapter two. In Ephesians chapter two <clears throat> and verse, verse four, uh, we read these words. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive uh, together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. You see, it's not only that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, but he also points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only one, you know, who can save us. And I remember in my own, you know, life, 
I got to a point where I realized I was a sinner. People may have been explaining how you can come to the Lord, the Lord but for me, the light didn't just dawn. It took about a year before I realized that actually it's only Christ who can deal with my sin. I was mourning about my sin. What do I do? Yes, I am a sinner, but how do I get rid of my sin? You know, how can I be right before God? And um, at the Young People's Fellowship at Osaka Baptist Church, um, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ was made very clear to me that the, the only way that I can be right before God. And, uh, you know, that was October 1970, and I've never regretted uh, since then, having come, you know, to know the Lord. So the Holy Spirit, yes, will say, you are a sinner, but he, he does not leave you there. He provides the solution, and the solution is to point us, you know, to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the devil will say, you, you are useless. There's nothing you can do. You just go to hell. You have, you have done so many things wrong. No, don't allow the devil to do that. There is a way out of sin, and that is coming to the Lord, right? He will forgive anything that we have done if we come in repentance and faith, you know, to him. There is no one who is too bad to get saved. Let, let not the devil deceive you, because whoever comes to know the Lord, to the Lord, he will change them. It is God who changes us. We can't change, you know, ourselves. Uh, lastly, John chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. John chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. We see in here how God imparts, you know, new, new life. How God imparts by the Holy Spirit himself, you know, new life. Um, John chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus answered him, truly, truly I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. So we see that the Holy Spirit imparts new life. He's the one who gives us new life. It is through him that we can say we are now born again of the Spirit of God. Do you see the, the, the argument uh, that is coming out here? God's mission is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of this mission comes from God's Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit who inspires the words of the preachers. It is the Holy Spirit who imparts courage for the preachers uh, to preach. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts the audience, the listeners, to the word of God. The preacher might preach and preach. You can be as eloquent as possible, but unless the Holy Spirit is at work, 
in the hearts of men and women, they will not be convicted you know, of sin. But you know you can know that you are a sinner. You know you do wrong many times. But you know it is the Holy Spirit that will lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It is only through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is nothing out there. You know, some people like saying there are many ways of climbing a mountain, and so there are many ways of going to heaven. No, there's nothing. If you are not in Christ, you will go to hell. And the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about hell so many times. If your religion has no Christ in it, it is not going to take you to heaven. Right? We must remember that. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit must be able to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ so that in him you can have life. And you know that he is able to give new life. You begin to desire to read the Bible. You want to meet with the believers like you have come today. You want uh, to pray. Uh, you may not have been praying before. You know, there's something new within you. You want to share your faith. You want to speak, you know, to those, uh, your, your friends, about the Lord Jesus Christ. What has happened? Because the Holy Spirit has been at work in your life. Friends, may I warn you from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, as we conclude. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, the Bible reads, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Right? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. This is a big challenge for believers. You see, when uh, in the church there is a tearing apart of one another, where there is a, a gossip and, and backbiting, where there isn't that uh, a love you know, for one another as the Bible requires, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit is hindered in our midst. We need to be a people that are obedient to the Word of God. Our manual, our constitution as it were, is what does the Bible say? Right? What does the Bible say? That's, that is what we should be, uh, we'll be doing. Even when we have church meetings and we have different opinions, what does the Bible say? Right? We must be humble, you know, before each other. The worst thing you can do as a church is to grieve the Holy Spirit. And as individuals, remember, the believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit lives in the believer. How can you then grieve the Holy Spirit? When you are a believer, the Holy Spirit now comes and lives in you. And you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible tells us. Brethren and friends, the power of mission 
comes from God's Spirit. He came on the day of Pentecost. Uh, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria were evangelized. And then the other parts of the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. They, no one, no one is going to silence what the Holy Spirit wants to do in this world. Governments or whatever people they might be, they will never do that. But you see, the Lord requires that the believers use their manual, the Bible. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit so that he may be at work, you know, freely in the life of the believer and in the life, you know, of the church. The power for mission comes from God's Spirit. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are fully aware that there may be many areas where we have failed you. We pray that you may forgive us and help us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We pray for the reviving of your church and so that the world can notice what God has done in our lives. Lord, we pray that you may revive this nation again. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.